Hello, my name is Len Baer, and today is Sunday, June 4th. It means that we're going to give you another legal update on the um, historic lawsuit uh, targeted justice uh, v. Garland that is happening right now in Texas. For those who doesn't know who I am, I'm a medical doctor and I'm a, a science manager who had to go on disability because of um, my official diagnosis of Havana syndrome. I'm also a targeted individual. I'm a part of the advisory board member. Um, uh, I'm a member of uh, an advisory board, sorry, uh, for Targeted Justice, which is a nonprofit organization who made this whole legal case happen. And um, it's been 23 weeks since we filed this lawsuit. And it's coming on on half a year. Did you realize that? So time is flying by and we're gaining momentum and um, to update us on all things legal. Um, with me today is Anna Toledo, the femme fatale for the targeted individual community. Um, Anna, how are you? Good morning. I'm fine. I'm happy, delighted to be here again with you. Thank you, Len. Thank you, Anna. Uh, so, so, am, so am I. I am super excited about today's show. And in the guest chair today, we have a... For the first time, we have a non-TI individual. His name is Stephen Craddock. And I have to read this. Um, um, oh, so he is an up-and-coming writer on Substack, a platform that I love, um, that really democratized writing. Uh, you have people like Matt Taibbi and 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 um, um, Seymour Hirsch and and then I mean and and writers like myself and writers like Stephen. It's really a an interesting community. People who have something to say are coexist on the same platform, and Stephen's. Um, Substack space is called uh, Thoughts into Words. Welcome to the show, Stephen. Thank you uh, for having me, Len, and uh, thank you, Anna, for uh, you know having me as well. I'm very excited for our conversation today, Len. Thank you, Stephen. This is this is a week. You can tell the excitement is in the air. So uh, before we go uh, forward with the update, I will give you a recap of this last week. So during the 22nd week, there was only one filing and it was done by a plaintiff's attorney, meaning Anna Toledo, who filed a judicial notice, uh, basically putting uh, the judge in this case, uh, drawing her attention to the fact uh, that there's an ongoing investigation of these federal agencies happening in um, in Congress, and all three individuals that are uh, defendants that that are named defendants in in our case um, are facing 
um, articles of impeachment. So that was uh, that's what happened last week. This week we have uh, I looked at the docket and there are two filings. And in order for uh, to make it more digestible for you, we we're gonna try to separate them and talk about one of each separately. The first one is a motion to dismiss filed by an attorney for the individual plaintiffs, uh, for, sorry, for the individual defendants. Um, and what I, I, I want Anna to uh, uh, explain um, what this motion says. I want you to explain uh, why it is, there's a different attorney for the individual defendants versus versus the organization. And and what's the difference between those two motions that have been filed on behalf of the organizations and the and the officers uh, leading those organizations? So please, Anna, um, explain to us. We're all ears. Okay, thank you. Um, yes, the motion to dismiss that was filed this week was filed on behalf of the they call it individual capacity defendants. And what that means is that targeted justice and the 18 plaintiffs sued uh, Ray, Mallorcas, uh, Weinstein, Cable, and uh, Garland on their official capacity for failing to carry out their duties of their job. Okay. That was the first motion to dismiss that we um, replied to, which nowhere in the motion to dismiss do they talk about the fact that we asked for a declaratory judgment to have the court declare unconstitutional and illegal the placing of innocent people's names on a terrorist database. They didn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. So that was the first motion to dismiss. The one that we're facing now is the one uh, addressing the individual capacity defendants who are the same guys except that it's for the cause of action under the Bivens case. What this means is that uh, Civil Rights uh, Act, which is uh, 42 U.S. Code 1983, it was created to prevent the civil rights violations by officials from states. The corollary, you know, the parallel to that, when a federal agent violates your rights, it's called, it's, it was done under a case called Bivens versus seven unnamed uh, officers. Uh, and, and, and Bivens basically what, what it, it's, it's a case law created cause of action against public officials, federal public officials that violate somebody's civil rights, you know, as in the fourth amendment, which is, you know, one of the things that we're alleging here and the eighth amendment, which is, you know, the cruel and unusual punishment, fourth amendment being, um, unreasonable searches and seizures. So uh, they, that's what they answered. And even though they refrained from the pervasive, because they mentioned it, but only once or twice, the fantastical allegations. Now they add a new word, which is bizarre, bizarre allegations. Um, they refrained from, from that kind of hate speech it is uh, no less true that they are alleging, you know, the, they're implausible. These allegations are implausible. They're just, you know, they're they're not believable. And therefore, that's their first uh, reason to say that the case should be dismissed, which is the same as the first ones did. Uh, and to that, uh, well, 
what is what is it just jumps at me was that even though they're uh, fantastical and implausible, the government went on to say that the court should not go into this the merits of this case because, and I'm going to read, it could set off an inquiry into sensitive issues of national security and call for disclosure of national security information. One of our basic pleadings is that none of the plaintiffs have any uh, derogatory information regard, uh, relating them to terrorism. There is no national security involved here. The TSDB, the terrorist screening database, is not a classified document. It is sent a public, it's sent to 18, over 18,000 law enforcement agencies. The last count we had, it was 14, uh, 1,440 entities and 500, and I think it's 32 or something, private, biggest private corporations. The last time I checked, the number was something around 74,000. So that's something that we would have to do the discovery. What I'm trying to say is there's nothing classified. There's nothing national security about removing the names of innocent civilians from a terrorist database, particularly when last week we heard uh, the, the, and the week before, uh, whistle FBI whistleblowers stating under oath before Congress how the agents are pressured uh, for financial uh, rewards to put uh, innocent civilians to be classified them as domestic terrorists. And what that means really is placing them on the TSDB. That do, do not be mistaken. When, when he talks about classifying them as domestic terrorists, it's placing in them in this list. This is why this case is not just about targeted individuals. It's about every single American person living, you know, they're, you're mowing your lawn, you're happy-go-lucky, and your neighbor disliked what you're doing. If that person has the right connections, you will end up in the TSDB as a, as a domestic terrorist, and your life will be changed forever. So that's one of the things it's like, nothing to see here. This is implausible. But then they also say that if the court goes into this case, it could be wading into matters of foreign affairs. I don't know how you have a case that there's nothing to keep from, from, from nothing to see here. You jump into matters of public affairs. If it's not that, you know, what we know that there are 6 million targeted individuals tortured around the world. Um, so I will talk next week about that. They also bring up the immunity defense, which is uh, something that the official capacity defendants wouldn't uh, allege, but the individuals one would, that their actions are um, covered by immunity. However, um, I've been studying a, a I, I, when I say I, I work 24 seven on this case, it's, it's, a little bit of an exaggeration because I sleep, but even in my sleep, I'm thinking about this case. And um, and one of the research I've been doing is, you know, the, at the founding, uh, the immunity was only available to officials that either acted pursuant to an order of the justice of the peace or pursuant to a statute. You have none of this here. Here you have a Homeland Security presidential directive that says that you can only place terrorists in that database. And we know that there are hundreds of thousands and millions of innocent people in that list that don't meet the terrorist criteria. 
So, and that, and that as you well know, uh, the FBI uh, representative submitted a sworn statement saying that it was for confidential criteria that they are placed there, which is completely illegal under our legal, under the American uh, system of law. So um, next week, I will talk about the reply that we'll be filing, because I hope to file it before next Sunday, uh, because we, we're, and I, and I want to tell targeted individuals out there, the criminals are jacking up the attacks, particularly on those of you that are so brave that are denouncing out there in social media and that, and that are making your voice heard. You are the target of more heinous attacks and I know it and it's, and I'm desperate because, you know, we filed this in January 11 and, and I know that, that you all are uh, suffering a lot, but I want you to know that even though, you know, I, I, I'm happy, I'm really happy today and I'll, and I'll have to talk about why I'm so happy. And we, we also suffer. So, I want you to please hold on because the reason why you're being attacked is because you're being effective. It's because you're a failed experiment. Now, uh, as you know, Len, this morning, we woke up that they had brought down the targeted justice uh, webpage. And, and this is one of the things that, you know, obviously who would be interested in, in, in putting it down, you know, in bringing it down except for the people that are feeling the heat, you know? And uh, as an attorney, uh, whenever I got a case about whatever, uh, I would ask my client all the time, like we discussed this last week, did you do this? And he's like, yeah, okay, well, let's stop doing it. Stop doing it right now. Because there is, there's a duty to mitigate damages and there's a duty as an attorney for me to say, I don't want to hear that you're continuing doing this kind of thing. You know, today's hacking is, it's, it's evidence that, you know, this has got to stop. Truth is going to come out no matter uh, how much you hack, no matter how much you hurt. And, and the thing is this, as targeted individuals, we know we, we are used to getting our things broken and we build them back again. And that's what they cannot stand. The fact that we get up again and like, you know, and we and we recreate ourselves and reconstruct ourselves and that's what we're gonna do yeah you you brought down our page we will we will redo it you know don't you know give us a little time but that will not change the truth and that is that they are sweating bullets because of this um a i i, I know that you want to talk about the, the filing i did this week uh because you know the supreme court has recognized that publishing a name as a terrorist or a suspected terrorist and disseminating to third parties, it's presumed to cause damage and to grant the injury, in fact, that they are denying us, okay? So I, I wanted to say, you know, I should be sad, I should be worried about the fact that they brought down our page, but no, I am rejoicing because I know that they are desperate. And that makes me very happy. Um, I wanted to thank before before we do the you know the housekeeping things. I wanted to thank those sentinels out there that are helping us because there's people helping us from the inside, and we just want you to take care of yourselves and make sure that that you obviously you know you don't get caught. And and we thank you and we honor you and we know you are helping us and we thank you. Um, it, because 
this probably wouldn't have been possible, but for your help, you know, you gave us a, a push, a very important push, and, and we urge you to continue helping us. Um, this next Saturday, um, well, we'll do the housekeeping at the end, but anyways, uh, so do you have any questions, Len? I certainly do. I I read uh, I read the motion to dismiss from the uh, um, uh, individuals from the attorney representing uh, the individuals versus the uh, agencies, and every time I read something, just jumps at me. And this time, what really jumped at me is that every time they use the um, phrase directed energy weapon they use it used it in quotation marks every time they they used a phrase voice to skull they put quotation marks so but we know it, so, so to me that means that it is alleged directed energy weapon weapons but we know that they are real they're literally hundreds if not thousands of government documents seriously discussing direct uh, directed energy weapons without any quotation mark. These are real weapons. In the same voice to skull, that's uh, uh, that term itself was uh, first. Uh, it first appeared on the um, either DARPA website or U.S. Armed uh, Forces Laboratories. This is where the term came, uh, came from. And so all of a sudden, we see the same terms in quotation marks. So my question is, are you saying these, they're not real? And if you're saying it in this, in this filing, what, what are we supposed to think about all the other government documents? Are you misleading us now or are you misleading us in the other, in the other documents? That's what jumped at me. And I'd like, I'd really like to hear your comments about this, Anna. Well, yeah, because they're the, the, I think the quotation marks have a purpose of inserting the fantastical uh, narrative into the motion without saying so. But here's the thing, you know, you are one of the plaintiffs and you have Havana syndrome. And the National Academies of Science and Engineering have said that you don't, that you get a Havana syndrome because you get directed energy, a pulsed, uh, I don't know, you're the expert on the term, but directed energy weapons attacks, right? So it, it's uh, in, in, in Latin, it's, uh, it's called res, rep, res ipsa locitur, which is the thing speaks for itself. If you have Havana syndrome, the only thing that caused it, said by the National Academies of Science and Engineering, is is directed energy weapons. So, um, so in that sense, they are trying to say it's fantastical, except that there is, there are mountains of scientific evidence documenting its reality. The same with B two K. There is a patent for it. There have been books written on it, and they acknowledge that they have used it in wars. You know, like a. Uh, a Operation Desert Storm. That's how they got uh, the soldiers of the enemy combatants to put down their weapons because they were B2Kng them, uh, you know, allies telling you to put them down. And this, uh, Anatoleto didn't make this up. You know, I this is historical. So uh, to do that, uh, it's a little condescending, but it's expected. What, one thing that should jump out at you is that 
from saying that we're alleging that, uh, you know, we're, they said we don't allege it, but then they say we do, uh, you know, allege, uh, the plaintiffs do allege it, that uh, they are erroneously placed in the TSDB. And because of that, they are attacked with due. But the thing is that they are missing the thing in the middle, which is they are placed there and they shouldn't be placed there because they're innocent civilians. And that is, the, that is their clearing omission that they don't want to, discuss because they know it's highly illegal and there is no reason for it other than what has been alleged in the complaint that this is part of a heinous human experiment program there is no reason to put to swell the list of the terrorist database except if there was a, a financial incentive like the, the uh, fbi people um whistleblowers testified so um to me uh, i think it's it's, it's obvious that they're just trying to um, ignore the elephant in the living room, you know? Okay. Um, I, I wanted to talk about, if it's okay with you, um, the motion we filed this week, um, we, we filed a motion asking for the court, you know, I, I, we, I even apologize at the end because I know that they have, the court has a lot of motions, but, but um, I, I I need to convey the urgency because there's too many people suffering out there, and and I I am I want you all to know how frustrated I am that I have tried to convey it in so many ways and and I, I don't know if the message is getting through, but so I filed this motion requesting for the court to take judicial notice of this case that I urge you to look at the substack. Um, newsletter this week, uh, targeted justice for all, all of this, particularly because today of, of the hacking of, of the webpage, I urge you all, it's free, subscribe to Targeted Justice Substack newsletter. It's free and that's the way to keep up to date and know about news, you know, before, you know, we meet here on Sundays, things that are going on. It, and also, um, you know, uh, they there's uh, the motion that I filed this week was was uh, included in the Substack uh, newsletter and basically uh, the Supreme Court uh, has uh, stated you know has pretty much stated that um, um, placing people uh, the harm from being labeled a potential terrorist bears close relationship to the harm from being labeled a terrorist. In other words, from, uh, the harm from a misleading statement of this kind bears a sufficiently close relationship to the harm from a false and defamatory statement. And this was a class action where um, some customers of TransUnion uh, were flagged as terrorists and were denied in their credit reports. And that was information was sent to third parties which is, you know, what is done with us and, you know, with my, with my plaintiffs here. And what um, I have to bring it to the attention of the court because it's pretty much, a, it do, does away with the argument that the 18 plaintiffs and targeted justice doesn't have standing because there's no injury in fact, because this case clearly states there is injury in fact, when you label someone a terrorist and they're not a terrorist, and you send it to third parties, as we have alleged in the complaint. So those are the two filings for this week. Um, and um, I, I think that if we weren't being on the winning side, 
they wouldn't have hacked our page today. And they, you know, you you know, Len, and, and that our privileged attorney client communications are constantly hacked. And my computer is com constantly hacked too. So um, I have nothing to hide, but that is illegal. It's in violation of the Fourth Amendment. And I really urge whoever is doing it to stop doing it because immunity doesn't go that far. Uh, I only have one more announcement I'd like to make, which is that this Saturday is the this coming Saturday, the 10th, is the monthly targeted justice meeting um, at 9 a.m. Uh, at the Onion Creek Cafe in Houston. And at 1 p.m., okay, uh, June 10th, actually, I'm not sure if it's 2 p.m. or 1 p.m., subscribe or, or uh, to target at Targeted Justice in Twitter. I'm gonna have a Spanish update of the lawsuit for Spanish speaking people. Para todas las personas que hablan español y no entienden las complicaciones de lo que estoy eh, diciendo en inglés, este sábado, suscriba, este, apúntense con tar at Targeted Justice and Twitter. We're gonna have um, a, a space, a Twitter space, and we're gonna talk in Spanish, I'm gonna talk in Spanish and we're gonna receive questions in Spanish about the lawsuit, okay? So it'll probably go on for as long as, as people have questions. And it's gonna be simultaneous. What we're gonna try to do is simultaneous with a call. So it's a TI call and a Twitter space. We're gonna see is the first time we do this. So, uh, you know, bear with us if there are any snafus, but we're gonna be there to answer questions in Spanish. So I think that's all I had to say for now. All right, Anna, thank you. Um, you thank you for covering this that second motion be, uh, uh, that you filed this week because that was my sort sort of second portion of uh, this week week's news. You file a second judicial notice motion despite the, the and you just like you said you even had to apologize. I apologize, Judge, Judge, that I am drawing your attention just just another time, but it's too important to miss. And this case uh, that uh, um, the TransUnion case is extremely important to this, uh, to our case. It, the similarities are just uh, uh, critical. And um, my only question, since you already covered it, my only question is, how recent is this Supreme Court ruling? Uh, has it been, is it just this year or or how no. old is it? Well, it was 2021. And uh, I have to tell you, it, it came up because I was reading about, you know, I, I'm constantly researching, constantly, constantly in anticipation of what's coming. And it came up as not followed, like the case I was reading had not been followed by this case. So I clicked on that case because when I do research, since my computer is highly compromised, uh, despite having hired IT people, but you know, criminals get to them, you know? Um, so it, this case hadn't come up. And, 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 and the reason why I brought the attention to the court is because it does away with so many of the, you know, potential controversies because it, it pretty much, the Supreme Court is the supreme law of the land, what the Supreme Court says. And, and that's how it just, you know, I came across it uh, because I was doing research. Um, you know, it is my duty as an attorney 
to bring to the court everything that is relevant to its decision. And this would, I just ask that she take judicial notice of it in support of the motion in the opposition to the motion to dismiss that I had already filed. So it's like a supplement to it that I added it. You know, it wasn't arguing anything different. It was just in support of what I had already stated saying, look, what I stated, the Supreme Court already said, it's a, it's a real damage. Telling people that an innocent person is a terrorist and, and spreading it to third parties. The Supreme Court already adjudicated that. That, that is really interesting. So this Supreme Court decision has been around since 21. Now it's 2023, and the, the highest court in the country could not have been more clear about this. And yet we're still reading this, uh, these uh, uh, um, arguments in the motion to dismiss that completely uh, disregard the Supreme Court's decision. And that just boggles my mind. I, I, I don't understand how, how these things are happening at the same time. But yet, here we are. Well, it also, Jelen, it tells you, this decision is almost, what, two years old. It also tells you this, that even though this decision was in the books, FBI continued to put innocent civilians in a terrorist list, even though the Supreme Court of the land had said that it causes damages to people. So you can conclude they intentionally, they have done it intentionally, knowingly that these people uh, are not terrorists, but also knowing that the Supreme Court has held, it causes that it's the damages are presumed. And that goes to the you know punitive aspect that we're asking and that we will be asking for in this case, because they continue doing it despite a specific holding saying that it causes damages. Thank you, Anna, for this clarification. Now it's time to speak to our special guest, Stephen Craddock. Uh, Stephen, uh, I, I'm a fan of your work. I am absolutely, um, uh, I admire everything you write. I, it, I have to read this. You describe yourself as an inspiring writing with a pro-liberty slant, providing commentaries on politics, culture, current events, and anything else worth writing about with the intention to shed light on the stories corporate media might overlook or represent. And this is a great uh, model, I think, that you found. Um, I cannot recommend uh, your Substack highly enough. Uh, one of your most recent um, publications uh, describes the uh, col this colossal shift in the media. It's a two-part. It's a two-part uh, writing um, that I, I I have I had to read it twice. It, it was so um, helpful to me to understand that what's happening in the society and that's and that what's happening in the media. All these shifts they're all interconnected, and you really 
put it in the right words. Now I understand. I have a better understanding of what's going on, and I recommend everybody uh, read reads it. It's it's extremely useful. Um, and um, full disclosure: Stephen is not or does not consider himself a targeted individual. And that makes Stephen's perspective even more valuable. Uh, so, Stephen, please tell us um, what led to this moment. Um, tell us, tell us the story how we met, how we, how how you uh, you decided to write about certain things. Uh, the stage is yours, please. Uh, well, thank you, and and uh, first of all, thank you for uh, all those kind words. I really appreciate it. Um, so yeah, as you said, I'm not a targeted individual, um, and I honestly didn't even really believe that Havana syndrome was uh, was all that real because I wrote two pieces about it. The first one, there was a recent intel uh, intelligence report on Havana syndrome, and it basically concluded that uh, it wasn't due to a foreign government using a directed energy weapon. And my skepticism of Havana syndrome was that. Uh, I had only heard of CIA agents and U.S. diplomats, you know, getting he a headache and then they would blame Russia or China or Cuba and all those countries fall outside of the, you know, the U.S. centralized empire. And so I just saw it as propaganda against those countries. And now, you know, it was right before the whole Russiagate debacle that has been debunked over and over again. And it, now we're currently fighting a proxy war with Russia in Ukraine. So it just seemed like propaganda to kind of, you know, manufacture consent for those kind of things. But then, um, so I wrote a piece basically saying that um, and basically saying, look, even they have to admit now that they don't really have the evidence they're claiming. But then, uh, Len, you reached out to me, you responded to my article on Twitter, basically saying that, uh, you know, you are a civilian who's been diagnosed with Havana syndrome, and you're the first civilian I'd ever heard of to, uh, to be diagnosed with Havana syndrome. And looking into you, you know, kind of opened up the broader targeted individual community. And I'd never really heard of that, you know, either. So then me and you got in touch and we, we had a, a zoom call and we discussed, you know, your story and, and background. And I used that conversation to write a follow-up piece about the civilian cases. Um, and uh, now my um, perspective is because uh, the historical precedent of, you know, our government, you know, uh, experimenting on civilians unwittingly. Um, it's not like that's never happened before. There's plenty of historical precedent for that. And so now I think that maybe, you know, that's most likely what is going on. And um, it's, it's, they still, you know, tried to blame Russia and other countries like that to manufacture that consent. But it was also, I think, maybe to steer people, anyone interested in this subject, steer them away from looking at our own government and what they might be involved in and blame a foreign government instead. And uh, so that's kind of where my perspective went to and, and where it currently is now. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the that's kind of the story of where those where those two articles came from and the the evolution of my perspective on all this. Yes, thank you, Stephen. I, I was very impressed. Uh by the way you responded to my uh, tweets and um, and my claims, um, that was a much more um, 
credible and intelligent and and consistent than uh, responses from most of the journalists uh, who work for the mainstream media um, uh, were. It, uh, um, because I basically my my uh, my day starts by checking all the media outlets. Is there anything new about Havana syndrome? And everybody who has ever written a word about it uh, receives a letter, a tweet, uh, a direct message uh, uh, from me. They hear from me. That became uh, my second nature. And the way you responded was just a, um, I would call it excellence in journalism. And I'm not exaggerating. I think you really show uh, people who pride themselves in in calling themselves journalists, but then they don't do the homework. But you did, and I applaud that. Uh, I applaud you for that. Yeah, thank you uh, very much. I would classify most of my writing as uh, more commentary, but uh, I do appreciate that and. Uh, it, that piece did take a little bit longer than most of my pieces, so I did put a little bit more work into into my follow-up piece on Havana syndrome than than most of my other ones. So, I do appreciate that. Uh, Stephen, uh, what do you think about this legal case that we're covering? Uh, we're having these weekly updates. You just heard the um, our conversation with Anna. Do you have any questions for uh, Anna or myself uh, with respect to uh, this legal case? I'm not sure that I have any questions. Um, I think Anna laid it all out pretty well. Um, I'm not a targeted individual and I'm also, I'm not a legal expert. So um, I don't want to comment too much on the, you know, the ins and outs of that just because I, I'd be out of my depth. But I do want to say that um, uh how they, you know, they were classifying uh, these claims as implausible. I just find that um, ridiculous because, like I stated before, there's there's legal precedent for you know our government doing this kind of non-consensual experimentation. And I, you know, I, obviously you need you know there needs to be some hard evidence. You know, that's not like you know uh, you can just make claims and and you need something to back them up. But I think there's plenty of historical precedent to at least get people interested in the topic and to entertain the idea. So implausible is just, uh, just such a condescending term to use for that. Um, and, uh, then the, the, on the, they claim, you know, it's a, it's a matter of national security. That's, uh, that's their go-to when they don't want to release information, right? You know, when, you know, Edward Snowden, released the NSA documents. Uh, that's what they claimed that he was, you know, damaging national security. Um, same with uh, Julian Assange, you know, they have him locked up in Belmarsh because, you know, he exposed US war crimes, but it was a matter of national security. So he needs to be prosecuted. So those would be my two comments on uh, what Anna was saying. I just, I find it very condescending to, to treat it just so, you know, just brush it off like it, there's no, uh, reality there thank you Stephen. uh you uh, you actually took words out of my mouth because if you read one of my substack um when i read the first motion to dismiss um filed by the attorney for the agencies uh i said condescension this is the strategy of the government they don't they can't dismiss the claims 
so they can descend toward the targeted individuals. See, it, it borderlines hate speech, uh, basically. The, 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 the tone and the um, uh, phrases they use, they, it really it really borderlines hate speech because we we do identify as a group. So if uh, if you say that this group makes fantastical allegations that do not need to be uh, taken seriously, that's exactly that. Stephen, I know that you will uh, get a lot of interest in your Substack. Tell us what are uh, other things uh, you're looking at? What interests you? What um, catches your attention? I'm, I'm, I will be following you regardless, but give us a preview of what's going uh, uh, going on through your head. Well, I don't have any um, new articles currently in the works. Like this next week is when I'm going to probably by next weekend, I'll have one out, but I'm not quite sure what I'm going to write about yet. Um, uh, my latest piece was, uh, it was called Summits and Secrecy, and it was about, there was the G7 Summit and the Arab League Summit and the Bilderberg meeting all in the same weekend. And just these, you know, summits and meetings where these uh, rich and powerful and, you know, uh, leaders in government and and corporate and just finance, just, you know, all the most powerful people in the world where they gather together and they kind of talk and they shape the world that we all live in. But uh, my piece was basically making the case that no one really gives those uh, meetings as much attention as they deserve. And I think a lot of that is because they're, it's often boring and just kind of, you know, if you're not constantly listening and uh, involved in politics, it's just kind of the average person, their eyes, they, they just gloss over when they have to hear, you know, a million politicians just speak over and over again. But in these meetings, they, they you know, announce certain things and they push certain agendas where it really does have an effect on the rest of us. And uh, I think that just gets, you know, overlooked far too often, especially the Bilderberg group, because that for a long time, if you even mentioned anything about it, you were considered a conspiracy theorist, you know, like, oh, that's not anything important but um it's a secret meeting they don't allow the media to go in and report on it and it's it's all the most powerful people you could imagine and what are they saying in that meeting no one no one really knows and uh, too many people don't really care so that was my latest piece and uh like i said i'm not really sure what i'm writing about this week but um i'm hoping to have something out next weekend so to anyone interested just just watch for that and uh hopefully by next saturday i'll have a new article out so that's what I would uh, have to say about that. Uh, great, uh, excellent, Stephen. Keep us, uh, keep us, keep us uh, uh, in um, um, uh, keep the suspension up, uh, and and we'll 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 follow your work. I think what you're doing is extremely valuable. You you make those connections that an average person would not. Uh, would not make and you bring it to everybody to read and digest and that's and that's what we need we need a public conversation about things that we we're really not speaking about and and targeted individual issue is is one of them uh, do you have any any uh final words for your subscribers listeners people out there something that uh uh, uh uh, some words of wisdom. 
Stephen? Um, some words of wisdom. <clears throat> uh, I would say just uh, be open to possibilities and uh, especially when the corporate media is trying to brush something, sweep something under the rug, um, that's when you really should uh, try to pay attention to what it is. I, I would be skeptical of some alternative media as well. Sometimes you can get some, you know, some scam artists or some people that are just a little, they don't really know what they're talking about. They just kind of go a little too far out there, but I wouldn't let that deter you from looking into some stories that the corporate media tries to act like you just shouldn't pay attention to. So I think that would be what I left with. And I would just end by saying uh, thank you again for all your compliments, Len, and thank you uh, to both you and Anna for uh, inviting me to come talk with you guys today. And I, I really enjoyed myself. So thank you. Len. You're most welcome, Stephen. Anna, any any words of wisdom uh, from you at uh, at the end of uh, our well, show? Well, I I, I uh, thank you, Stephen, and and we're gonna link his column. We're gonna I'm gonna ask Richard to link it to the targeted justice uh, Substack a column, and so that you know the readers can have access to it. Um, he's he's so very right, and as uh, Stephen, you should know that there has been a complete absence of coverage of this um, you know, groundbreaking lawsuit in the corporate you know, mainstream media and even in the alternative media, because I think that uh, you know, the people involved are, are pressuring people not to cover this important case. Uh, in Spanish, we had in Puerto Rico, there was, I don't know if you had it in the United States too, uh, the Panasonic had a an ad, a commercial uh, that said anticipating the future. And that's exactly what we did when we filed the lawsuit. We filed a lawsuit and uh, and the three people that we um, had, you know, alleged were part of this of this uh, program, you know, an intricate part of this program. They um, happened to be the ones that two weeks, a week and a half ago, are, are the objects of articles of impeachment. I think that media should pay closer attention to this case because it's so much more important than, than I can say. I cannot say how probably at the Bilderberg Club they were talking about this case. And I know that there are very important minds looking at it, but not talking about it because they're not allowed to, or they're afraid to do so. So, um, you know, that, that's what I have to say. We are making history and we are, we are moving the tracks of history in a more positive direction of where they were going. We're moving this train in a better direction of where it was going. And, and, I'm, and I'm just so proud and so happy to be part of it. And to and to have you, Len, in this team, and and the courageous, targeted individuals, as I call them, the failed experiments, to plagiarize um, uh, a, another TI's uh, voice to call that insulters insulted her, calling her a failed experiment. I am proud of my failed experiments. I am happy that you have made me part of your family, and I am just so looking forward to winning this and, and getting freedom in 2023. I really am. Thank you, Len. Thank you, Thank you for this message of hope, uh, Anna. I also have uh, just a few words to say at the end of the show. 
it's officially summertime and uh, our front yard is green and beautiful and uh, we live in a um, very nice suburban neighborhood uh, people are friendly to each other people say hi and in the middle of our front yard there's a huge sign that is impossible to ignore it says targetedjustice.com so every neighbor and every car passing by will see this sign and even if just five percent of uh these people just out of curiosity go and check out the website obviously when it's when it's back up uh I would say mission accomplished uh we are gaining the visibility we are no longer a fringe group we are at the moment when um we're impossible to ignore the evidence is overwhelming the evidence that we've been designated a life of suffering and torture and uh, brain degradation and that's all happening on your taxpayers money and, and, and as well as mine like I'm paying for my own tor torture and uh we all have to ask ourselves is this okay or does it have to stop immediately thank you for watching goodbye